Humanistic presents Color Commentary, your podcast for thoughts and analysis on race, education, and the state of our society impacting popular culture and politics. Today's podcast features the humans behind the humanistic organization, humanistic president Darcy Chowen, organizational director Mary Hale, general secretary Mariana Jankowski, director of technology Christina Harris, social media director Brandon Fickwit, and myself, director of marketing Sean Moore. Leading today's discussion will be organizational vice president Hazana Underwood. Hazana? Take it away. Good morning, morning. Thank you. So today's topic is uh, critical race theory. I think it's been um, in discussion just recently, um, although it's been around for some decades. And let's just delve into it, right? So I think we can all agree to some extent that things in our nation are not equal. And if we want to take it one step further, we can probably to some extent agree that racism is real. You know, I think in 2020, we all kind of reached this, what they call, what the new age calls uh, this woke status in which we were really awakened to the fact that racism was prevalent within our nation and not just prevalent, but I believe that we all realized that we needed to do something about it. So now we have this, I I feel like this uh, gray area where it's kind of like, okay, we know it's prevalent. Now, what do we do? And I think the question lies in how do we deal with it? But if you don't know how it even started or how it began or how it's embedded, then how do you really um, combat it, right? So then we have this thing called critical race theory. And critical race theory um, is the ideology that we were not born a particular race, right? That was something that was a social construct that was simply built um, to maintain hierarchies. Um, And it goes into evaluating how race, racism um, has influenced our policies, politics, and ultimately law, which for me, I feel like shifts the focus from these are people that are racist, these are families that are racist, but it actually looks into the systems and how the systems have positively or negatively had an impact on the race uh, or the race of people. Um, So I don't know. And I think that, you know, one thing that I was looking into further is I think sometimes the name of something might give it a little bit of negative connotation, right? When somebody sees critical race theory, you know, I think it can be a little off-putting. Um, so that's one thing I think we can delve into is like, is it is it just the name? I mean, because I think we all want to know, right? We're all realizing that to some extent, history as it was written isn't actually what it was. Um, so we want to know what happened. We woke up one day and we're like, this is this is not what really happened wasn't really what we were taught. So how can we really figure out what happened in order to do something about where we're at today? So, yeah. What do you guys think? The, the name, the title, critical race theory, why isn't it just called race theory? Why is it called critical race theory? Right. Well, I, think, I think critical is the word critical is being used in terms of uh, clinical analysis. Basically, when you critique something, you are analyzing what it is, not, okay. it's, not neg- it's not a negative connotation. It's right. That makes word. sense. Okay. Yeah. So we're putting right, it under the microscope. Yeah, critical thinking. Critical thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think this this came out of academia, correct? 
yes. uh, where they've been studying it. So it's, yeah, it's the critical, you know, study or analysis of race theory. And I, my understanding of the controversy is there's some people that don't want it to be examined or taught or talked about in the education system, et cetera. That, that's what I see the recent sort of debate about, uh, but which I think is interesting because Hazana's opening statement was like, we can all agree that, you know, this is a problem and that, you know, what we were taught in history isn't, you know, really accurate. And, and I think that the, the debate is around people thinking that maybe, not, maybe they don't agree, Hazana. Maybe there's people that think, still think race is, racism is not a problem or doesn't exist in my town or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why there's so much uh, resistance to explore it. But it hasn't been taught in in um, elementary or or high no. school. It's only been taught in college. Correct. Yep. Yeah. But there's a lot of debate because I think people want to bring it into, um, you know, the education system. And I think there are people that don't want that to happen. But but taking it one step further, if you think about hierarchies and if you think about a person's status, right? And if you actually analyze how racism is embedded into our systems and our structures and our schools and our workplace, right? Doesn't that ultimately um, step on people's toes or doesn't yeah. it, isn't there, doesn't there become a fear of somebody's status um, being changed or reconstructed as a result of the truth coming forward? Oh, so yeah. there, there's a part of me that feels like it's, it's not just the, I don't want to delve into race, but I don't want the truth out there because if the truth is out there as to what happened and how we came to be, then that ultimately impacts my status. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People are, there, certain people are going to lose a, a certain amount of power. They're going to lose a certain, and, and power is money. Uh -huh. So it, mm -hmm. it's going to impact some people. Yeah. And I think, I think it was you, Mary, that said uh, change is hard. I think change is scary, you know. Um, it's hard I to look you, in the mirror. Well, but yeah. I think I told you I was down visiting my dad uh, for a couple weeks and, um, he, he made a comment to me. He said, you know, uh, I don't really see racism here. It, I don't see it. Like, you know, and, and he lives in Kentucky. Okay. Uh, and I'm like, really? What do you mean? But like, what do you mean by that statement? Well, you know, I mean, there's black people eating in the restaurant that I eat in and there's, you know, and I was like, oh my goodness, that that's not, um, that's not what we're talking about. You know, yeah. so I just, I, I just, <laughs> just think people have um, just different understanding of the of the problem, or you're not an understanding of the problem, and then, and then, yeah, they hear about all these things that that seem scary because you're trying to sort of turn things upside down as I know it, and why, you know, that seems scary to me. Also, if it doesn't affect you, then, mm -hmm. then it's hard to see it. Yeah, just to follow up on that part, Darcy, I think you, you struck something. I think there's a lot of people out there who legitimately feel that there is no racism anymore, that racism yeah. ended and yeah. everyone's equal, especially yeah. after the election of uh, Barack Obama. I've yeah. heard people say, oh, okay, you finally have a black president. That's proof that racism is over. Yeah. I think 
a lot of people are threatened by critical race theory because they're thinking, what, why are you stirring up a hornet's nest when yeah. nothing like this exists anymore? I, I think people are afraid to confront what is still here when they believe that that has been eradicated decades ago. Mm-hmm. And Sean, to your point, that, that brings something else, right? Because I don't necessarily feel like people are, you know, older age, older generations, yes. But the, the new age and newer generations, I don't feel like it's racism. It's an inherent bias, mm-hmm. which, which goes right into what critical race theory is talking about, is this is stuff that it embedded in the systems. You grew up in this. So this is what you feel. This is what you believe. This is what you think. This is your train of thought. Like even within in um, the hospital that I work with, work at, you know, a lot of the positions are appointed positions, right? You don't have to, the, the managerial on the managerial side, it's appointed. So if I leave as a charge or a CEO, CEO or a CNO or whatever, it's not a, you're not hired into that position based on your accolades. Um, it's posted, but is it posted to the general population where everybody, every race would reach that, that posting to be able to apply for that position? And if you're just bringing in somebody that you know, it, what's the likelihood of you bringing in somebody that you know that, that's, that's not like you? The good old boys mm-hmm. club. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think you're right, Hazana. I mean, critical race theory is really, I think, in its simplest form, just shining a bright spotlight on systemic racism. And we know people are afraid of that term and are like, no, it's not built into my world. You know, I'm not, I'm fine. I'm not racist. I'm not, you know, I just think it's, it's scary to um, unravel that reality in front of some people. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's uncomfortable for them to look in the mirror and see why they are where they are. And I think it they, is. they take it as a personal attack on them when really we're just wanting them to see it from a different perspective. And I think the, particularly the white males, uh, non-white male perspective, they, they can't take it without being triggered or, or getting defensive or right. wanting to think that you're, you're the ad hominem is what I consider it, the you know, race, you're being divisive by even saying the word race. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yet, they they themselves kind of force these these false dichotomies uh you're either with us or against us you know um yeah it, it's it's it's, ridic- it's ridiculous in my well, opinion you just want people gonna, to see a different perspective there's going to be a lot of guilt and shame that go with shining that bright light on on the situation they've had it easier than others yeah I mean, I still struggle with that. Like, I mean, I think that's a reality. Um, poor Christina, like, had to be my counselor the first two months we met. I think I was crying every day because just this sort of blast of, Darcy, you had no clue, like, the world you were living in, you know? Um, it, it is. You, you, it, you are full of guilt and shame when you really start to unravel it and see how you complacently sat through this, lived in this space as a white person, right. completely oblivious to how much struggle your neighbors were having because of the color of their skin. And you feel like a complete idiot not having seen that or noticed it or aware of it at all. And you think you're a caring, loving, compassionate human being, you know? So it's a bitter pill to swallow, very bitter pill to swallow. Well, let me me ask you guys this. uh, And I'm appealing to the 
Caucasian members of our group, I understand the guilt and the shame and, and those feelings, and they can be very embar embarrassing and tough to deal with. My question is, what about the people who are angry Yeah, the race theory is being brought up? I mean, there is a story about people, um, a man in Virginia who went off on, uh, you know, on a group talking about discussing why critical race theory should be taught in schools. You know, he, he was angry. He had to be led out by police right. because he was angry that it was even mentioned in the same vein as anything but, else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think anger, I mean, you know, this is where like we need Brene Brown on our podcast, right? I mean, <laughs> anger is often <clears throat> an emotion that's covering up something else. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a you secondary know, emotion. It, yeah, yeah. It's you know that if that if that gentleman was willing to do some self exploration, perhaps he would uncover that there is guilt and shame under that, and mm -hmm. um, anger is what is coming out. You know, it also uh, makes us. It, it we're going to have to feel vulnerable for a while. Yeah. While oh. this change is happening, mm -hmm. I also feel and like that's scary. Um, I feel like, um, you know, when people hear the word privilege, um, but they've struggled throughout their lives, lives like if they're poor yeah. or, you know, and they have the struggle, they're, they're like, well, I, you know, I've worked hard for everything I had all my life. And like, they, you know, they think, you know, I'm not privileged because I don't have anything, but yeah. it's like racism and systemic racism kind of takes it a step further. Like, you know, um, I can be just as poor as you know, somebody who's white, but they're not experiencing the same Hardships. exact thing. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah, I think that's yes. where the kind of disconnect comes from. It's like, you know, I'm not privileged because, you know, I don't really have anything and I had to work so hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had this very conversation with a, a guy that I dated. Uh, no surprise, we're not dating anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, he, yeah, he went off on, you know, I was raised poor. You know, we didn't even have a, a plumbing in our house. We had an outhouse. You know, there were nine kids. Like, I am not privileged. It's like, that was so triggering to him. Um, and I, yeah, I think that that message gets, that term is a trigger and it, it doesn't really relay the situation accurately. Um, yeah. And I've, I've seen, you know, people kind of tried to describe it as privilege is really about, um, you know, sort of like, things are not um, uh, out of reach for you because of the color of your skin or, you know, like explaining it a different way rather than just using that term white privilege um, because it, I think it is very triggering and people feel like, well, you know, I struggled too. So um, there isn't a problem for black people because I struggled and made it. So, yeah. you know, what's everybody all upset about? And I think it's just really... Gosh, it's just the ability to just sort of put yourself in somebody else's shoes and say you've never, you know, you've never been followed around in a store, uh, suspicious, being suspected of shoplifting because of the color of your skin, you know, or whatever. The list is so long, um, and I think when we see examples like that, it's easier for perhaps it's easier for somebody that's white to realize, like, yeah, you're right. That that's never happened to me. Yeah, and the thing is, everybody. <clears throat> construct right there's always outliers right everybody we're not saying that everybody sure. you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there are some specific things that you just didn't have to deal with there's some specific hardships that you didn't have to deal with like when it came to buying a house you weren't 
you know, in those areas to where they would prevent you from moving forward or advancing, like mm-hmm. when it in that job, whatever it may be, like, you know, there's always going to be outliers to what um, a theory or theories, you know, we, we learned about many theories in college, right? Do yeah. we align totally 100% with the theory? No, but there's things that we pull away from that theory that makes sense and that add up to something that we say, okay, we can do something about this based on this particular theory, or we can choose another theory and run with it. But ultimately, we all agree that something needs to be done. So how do we how do we get to that point? Versus just saying it exists, we need to move forward to the, okay, what are we gonna do about it? But we can't do anything about it if we truly don't understand how it came to be. So that's the, the, his, the teaching, the understanding, the knowledge, we need to know. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. You know, and which leads me to want to discuss this, the pros and the cons of critical race theory. You know, we're talking about the pros. I I think part of it is, yes, we want a complete history of race and racism in this country. Uh, You know, the uh, discussion of critical race also details the accuracy of what's actually going on in our culture right now that a lot of people are either hiding from or can't really confront. Um, But a lot of criticisms, and I'm hoping we can address this, a lot of people feel that critical race theory lacks evidence. Um, People feel like it rejects evidence in favor of storytelling. Uh, People feel like it's divisive, it's accusatory. And a lot of people feel like it doesn't really achieve what people think it should achieve, i.e. Uh, a full and complete picture of what the history of this country is and what's going on now. How, how do you guys feel about that? How, how would you address that? Mm. Like that, just right, your very first one was really triggering for me. And so I had to sit here and think to myself, like, so Darcy, why are you triggered right now? I, I, I I feel like those, all of those objections are from a place of fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm afraid. It, it's almost like, and, and this is a really bad analogy, but I've had this debate with parents about sex education. Well, if you talk to your kids about sex, you're just promoting it. You know, it's like, no, that's not a true statement. <laughs> like, why are we so afraid to just explore the truth? Like, I, I just don't understand that. And I think I just feel like, Sean, every single one of those items is uh, from a place of fear. Like, I am terrified of this subject. So, so what if it's about anecdotes? Anecdotes are still true. I mean, th- th- there are reality, you, you know, I mean, I, I just feel like it's just a smokescreen. Like, because there's not some, what, some scientific study, we can't talk about it. Come on. Like, that's just a, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. I mean, a, a lot of the history that people want to talk about, too, we do have records of, of this. Mm-hmm. You know, slavery existed. There are, there are yeah. hundreds of stories yeah. and instances where people were abused or segregated or denied because of the color of the skin. That's not storytelling. That's fact. We have yeah. tons of evidence for this. But the one thing, speaking of triggering, the one thing that actually triggers me, and this is another criticism, of critical race theory is that people feel like it deviates or it threatens the idea of a colorblind society. Here's why I'm right. triggered. I don't believe in a colorblind society. 
if you ignore someone's race or color, you ignore part of who they are. I don't think yeah. we should have a colorblind society. I think we should have a color acknowledged society, mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be the thing that stops people from achieving or interacting. I'm black, you're white, that's fine. We acknowledge that that's a part of who you are, but it's not it shouldn't stop you from having every opportunity that everyone else has. <laughs> so here's my here's my question. How were they so able, the Tulsa massacre? Yes. How were they so successful as to keeping it quiet and covering it up for what, 70 years? Oh yeah. Well, I think, years? I, I think that answer is easy and that goes into racism itself. Yep. You know, when you have the majority of the people in power, i.e. white, controlling media, especially during that time, um, it wasn't seen as a race massacre back when it occurred. It was seen as, oh, a bunch of black people got wiped out by a bunch of white people. What's the issue? Well, no, they, were, they were uppity, you know? Yeah. yeah, they were uppity, you know, dropped the N-word in there, and they deserved everything they've gotten. It wasn't seen as a crime or a massacre, or even a problem. It's just, oh, we took care of uppity, you know, people like that who shouldn't have, they should have never had that opportunity in the first place. When you have yeah. that narrative, then of course you're gonna write the history you want. Of course yeah. you're gonna right. write. You're, you're, right. In, you're in control. You can frame it how you want to. Exactly. Per perfect example. And this is something, you know, in our, our things we were just going through with the, the massacres, I think Christina posted it. Uh, you, you follow Alabama, 30 minutes south of where I grew up. I didn't know there was a massacre back there in 1874. And even the, the signs on the street allude to the fact that it was just a riot. And the only the only death they call out is is the, you know, the son of the white judge that was in the in the in the town. Uh, it's whoever is in power controls the narrative or controls how history has been written. Mm -hmm. And they Absolutely. want us they want us to forget it. Absolutely. Yeah. Then and what? I think that that comes from a place of shame. I mean, maybe at the time people weren't based in shame because they actually thought that that was the right thing to do. But over time, I think the cover up is rooted in shame. Like that's oh. that's a shameful part of history. You know, that wasn't a good thing. And so let's like let's not advertise it. Uh, similarly to like like when I visited Munich, you know, people were like, what, what? You know, don't go don't go look at the concentration camp like that's not. We're not proud of that piece of our, you know, history, uh, and I think that's based in shame. <clears throat> the cover up. Control the psyche of people. Don't you control the people, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's 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 all. Even with banning critical race theory being taught, if you control people actually knowing what happened, then you control the people because if they don't know, then they don't think that they need to do anything about it or anything needs to be done, yeah. and they anything ever happening and they and they build it into oh this is a fable this is storytelling this really didn't happen this is just you just uh you know i think they're saying like this is just a marxist theory you know you know a line like uh, attacking a, a certain race right white people you're just trying to attack us you're just trying to take our status you're just trying to take our hierarchy you know i think it's and that's where the fear is i think a lot of people are afraid of the truth um, coming forward in their status is all about status and hierarchy um, being changed or, or, or you know. 
it's very go ahead brandon sorry no it, it just it's it sounds very orwellian to me and i just want to cram it down the memory hole and erase it and i personally have a fear and i, I don't i don't know who says it but if, you know if you forget the past you're doomed to repeat it I, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why you know I, to me to me history and writing history you're trying to come to some objective reality of you know what happened it's ne- no one's ever going to have the full story perhaps but if one side is dominating the story there, there's a big gaping hole and without that you know because that that without that hole you're you're potentially doomed to repeat it and just because you're you're trying to record history in an objective way or trying to do it in an objective way does not mean you're trying to promote it and continue it either. That's a that's a false that's a straw man, you know. There, there, which I feel like is one of the common arguments that we, we keep seeing. Right, Brandon, Hazana, to your point, you know, whoever controls, you guys have heard the quote. I'm assuming uh, history is written from the point of view of the conquerors. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. first, the first thing that most regimes do whenever they enact enact a revolution or a takeover, you take over the fourth estate. You control the media. You control the narrative. Why? Because most people don't know what's going on until they tune in to what people tell them what was going on. Yep. So automatically, you, you, you institute slavery. The first thing you do is you institutionalize it and saying that, oh, it's part of our heritage. There's nothing wrong with that. People buy into that. And then years later, when you realize that, oh, well, this is a disservice to human beings. Of course, you're gonna feel shame about that. You still change the narrative in that you say, oh, well, okay, we had slavery, but we fought a war and now it's over and everyone's free. You, you try to make it simple, as simple as possible because if it's simple for the masses, they will understand it and most likely accept it. And I think that explains a lot of our history like a lot, you know, growing up in school, we were taught about slavery, but it was never on the level as to which I learned when I, once I got to college. For me, you read a book, you find out that you have the heroes of the revolution. Oh, we fought ourselves, fought the British. We attained our freedom. Uh, later on, we had some slaves, but then we fought a civil war and the slaves were free and black men and women were equal to everybody else. You fast forward, you have the civil rights movement. It's like, oh, uh, Martin Luther King gave a speech, people bought it, and now everyone's free and happy and have voting rights. That's how history was taught to me. It was very glossy. Yeah. It was almost yeah. glamorized, you know, to the point where you're like, oh, they were a slave, but you know, they, they were free. They weren't tortured, they weren't beaten, they didn't survive a horrific middle passage. That was never taught to me. I didn't know any of this stuff. You know, yes, my mother, you know, taught me as much as she could, but I didn't really know the details until I got to college and I took African-American studies and learned about the Middle Passage and learned about chattel slavery and learned that even though a civil war was fought to free, quote unquote, free the slaves, Black people still were not in a position of power. They were often hunted down. They're often made to sign awful contracts sharecropping in order to pretty much keep them as wage slaves. Uh, They were lynched. Uh, Various organizations arose specifically to kill them, aka the Ku Klux Klan. I didn't know any of this until college. And I think this is where critical race theory comes in. People are going in, experts are going in and saying, look, what we're teaching people is not accurate. 
you know, romanticizing what was an awful, dirty black mark on the history of this country. And a lot of people can't accept that because we have this idea that the United States is the greatest country on earth. And to say that the greatest country on earth participated in one of the worst human crimes in history is unbecoming. People can't digest that as a hard thing to follow. Yeah. And really, you shouldn't have to take African-American studies in college to learn any of that. It should mm -hmm. be taught to everyone. When I was in college, I, I saw that they were offering that. And honestly, and I feel bad about this, but honestly, I said, why do they get their own history class? Like, why can't, you know, if, if, if I were to take that, that class, would people be looking at me like, what's this white chick doing in our class? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't take it because I felt like it was just a, a form of we get this and you don't. Um, and I've, I've said that that's kind of been ingrained in my thinking. So I'm trying very hard to separate that and to not think that way anymore. Um, but well, also, also when I was in college, I taught foreign exchange students and learned a lot from them. And they would ask me, why don't Americans know anything about their history? And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, we learn our history from a very young age, but you guys don't know anything about your history. We learn about our history, we learn about your history, we learn about their history, <laughs> but you guys don't know anything about your history. And I was just, I, it took me back because I was like, what do you mean they're not teaching us about our history? I know about Indians, I know about slaves. <laughs> well, Mariana, you bring up a ballot point. And I say this is valid because I always like to put myself in other people's shoes to get a better perspective. You know, you mentioned two things that I've encountered before. Uh, black History Month. So why do black people get their own month when we don't? And, uh, you know, African-American studies in college. Why do they get their own subjects even though we don't, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not defending the mentality, but I understand it. And here's how I look at it. Here's what I do. As a man, there's a lot of stuff that women go through that I am completely and utterly not aware of mm -hmm. at all. And likely will never truly understand because I'm a man and I have a different experience in this country as a male. It doesn't mean nothing, it doesn't exist. Whenever I hear something concerning a woman that's come up that's a real problem, my first reaction is, that's an issue, that's a problem. Why do they get their own month? Why do they get this? Why do they get the special treatment? And that shows my ignorance of the situation. A lot of people I feel have that view when it comes to Black History Month or African-American studies. In their minds, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, in their minds, there is no overt racism. There is no, you know, we, we've done the freedom marches. That stuff is in our past. We've had a black president. So there isn't a problem. Yet people insist that you have your own month, that you have your own, you know, your own studies. What they don't realize is that every other month and every other class has been specifically catered to white people for centuries to the point where it's ingrained and you don't see it that way. It's just, we don't call it white American studies. 
We just call it studies. We call it history. You don't, you don't call it, you know, the white ABC broadcasting network. It's just the ABC broadcasting network. But to the exact point is like African-American history is American history. Like if you want, like, I know we're having all of these months, we have Asian American month, we have, but if you, we, the only people that were here were Native Americans, right? And then you have, um, Caucasians, and then you had Black people that were brought here against their will, right? So, or Africans that were brought here against their will. So, if you really, if you want to really look at what we should be focusing on as what American history is, should be those three populations, right? And then, in addition to that, we should branch into adding on Asian American. It's I, I, the the I. What frustrates me is that African-American history, which is American history, is a separate entity. It shouldn't be a separate entity. The history of Americans should not be a separate entity. Right. Those okay. three. <laughs> I agree with that. The only issue, I have, the problem I have with that is, you're right. Ultimately, the goal is American history is all people's history. Who's lived here? Who's brought right. here? Right. We're not there yet. We're not at, we're not that enlightened yet. Right. The pendulum People are getting upset right. about critical race theory because it offensive sensibilities. Because that still is a problem, this is exactly why we have African-American studies. This is exactly why we have Black History Month. Because people aren't evolved yet to get to the point where Black history is American history. Yep. You still have to point that out because people still don't see that. They still don't understand that. We may, be, we may be integrated as people, but our history is certainly not. A lot of stuff is certainly not. We still segregate based on race. As long as we keep doing that, there's always going to be a marginalized group that's not properly represented. And so in order to force people to do it, we have to do stuff like Black History Month, Asian American History Month, Asian American Studies, uh, you know, Latino, Latin American Studies. We still have to do that because people, otherwise people won't include it. It's the medicine to the sickness. Yes. You know, ideally you want to get well so you don't ever have to take medicine again. You know, I would love to live in a society where I don't have to tune the BET because I'm properly represented on all channels. I want to get to a point where I don't have to take African-American studies. I'm going to take American history and all that stuff will be included. We're not there yet. We're not right. there at all. So, so then like that's moving on to the next topic of discussion. What's the alternative then? You know, we have controversy a lot of controversy around um critical race theory which is being banned in a in a good number of states so then the alternative my problem is is not that you want to ban a particular topic of discussion or a theory right but you're not providing an alternative you're saying i believe that there is racism to some extent critical race theory not what I agree should be implemented in schools, but what are you offering as the alternative if you're saying that you want to do better? If you're saying you're for the people? How are you ensuring that history is, is represented by all, all parties? <laughs> I think they do. Yeah, <laughs> I think they do. Yes, go to the Deep South, open up a book <sighs> in the Deep South, and you'll... I think New York <laughs> Times has like an article about that. They compared a history book between California and Texas. And I mean, they both like really minimalized slavery. The book from Texas really didn't really talk about slavery at all. It, it was like the same book by the same publisher. I can't remember 
who it was, but they said different things. So they just sanitized it for a different region. Yeah. I mean, again, me growing up, slavery was usually a paragraph yeah, in the middle exactly. of the book. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today and taking the time to listen. This wraps up part one of our two-part series on critical race theory. If you liked what you've heard so far, please take a listen to part two of this topic up on our platforms now. Mm-hmm.